This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. It is another recap podcast, as I'm Stephen Igo, the host of the Hoist the Colors podcast, the publisher of hoistthecolors.net. I'm joined, as always, for our baseball recap podcast by Jonathan Wagner. Jonathan getting ready to head to a uh, Carolina Hurricanes playoff game. So an exciting day for Jonathan. But first, he's got to talk about ECU baseball because that is the most important thing on his docket. Welcome back, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. It's going to be a good day. I love UCF baseball. I love Hurricanes. So, first game of the year, I'm excited, but I'm excited to recap this tight weekend against Cincinnati as well. Yeah, man, it was a uh, it was an absolute grind, and you know, just just the when you're playing the same team eight times in one season, um, you become very familiar with them. I think ECU and Cincinnati are very familiar with each other at this point. But to win seven of those eight games and to take a three, another four-game series, three or four, I think it is is a big deal. And I think your average college baseball fan is just going to look at this series and say, oh, ECU did what it needed to do. They won three out of four on the road against Cincinnati. You know, middle-of-the-road AAC team. But I think that this series was a lot harder than it seemed on the surface. And if you watched it, which we'll get into the games here in a minute. Uh, you know why. Um, so we'll do lo- what, like we always do, game by game. We'll at the end of the show, we'll talk about kind of the conference race, the regional hosting stuff, all that sort of stuff. Uh, before we dive into it, <clears throat> you might can tell from my voice I'm dealing with either allergies, cold, or some some type of crap. So I, we're we're keeping this one somewhat on the shorter side. I sound like I got punched in the face and like have a broken nose. So uh, <laughs> I don't want to go too long here. But Jonathan, let's dive right into it. Game one, another doubleheader. I mean, it's almost like painful to uh, to to like cover these doubleheaders now. Just it's such a grind to to sit there and watch them. I can't even imagine how it is to to like coach or play in one of these series because it's just a grind every single week. But the Pirates split the doubleheader. They take game one, eight to four. This is the 12th consecutive series weekend opener that they have won and it it was a familiar theme Jonathan Uh, they got some early run support for Gavin Williams and Gavin struggled in the first inning got hit around a little bit but then responded with five scoreless innings the Pirates went eight to four and and really I feel like we've seen this series opener now pretty much every week in conference play yeah for sure I mean we ECU did what they usually do in early games and Gavin starts lately Two innings, two runs in the first inning. Zach Agnos, surprise, surprise, with another big hit, two-run single in the first. And Ben Gappin comes out in the first, and really for the first time this year, I think you kind of think, oh, God, is he going to be able to go deep into this game? And he gives up two runs, hits a batter, 
gives up a couple base hits, and ECU comes back in the second. They score five more, get up to seven to two, and then Gavin shuts it down from there. And it was nice to see. And then I think the another story from this game too, Jake Kuchmaner was the first man out of the bullpen. I didn't know when he was going to pitch this weekend, but I didn't expect him to be the first man out, out of the pen. He came in. I thought he gave two really good innings out of the pen to start, and then he went out there for the third and ran into a little bit of trouble, got hit around a little bit. But it was nice to see Kuchmaner at least come out for the first couple innings and pitch well. And then Saylor and Colmore both pitched well out of the pen as well. So it was a tight game. I think tighter than the 8-4 to four score might suggest. But, yeah, Gavin did what he needed to do, even though it didn't start well. And the offense gave early runs. And I think Seth Cadell had the fourth inning homer to give another run support. So it was a close game. But I'm glad that the pitching was able to settle down a little bit and do what they needed to do. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Kuchmaner because – his final line doesn't look that impressive, but I thought his stuff actually looked better. And we kind of were texting during the broadcast. It almost looked like he was thrown from a different arm slot and had changed. They they had talked about some mechanical tweaks, and I thought his stuff looked better. His changeup looked better. You know, his location consistency, especially on uh, Sunday, still not consistent to where he wants it. And we can talk about that more in a, in a minute. But I thought his stuff genuinely looked better, which was a positive sign. And you know, I feel for Cooch because it's like he can't. It's it would have almost been better if he would have been pulled after the two innings, and then he could have left on that good note. But instead, he goes out there, he hits a guy, walks a guy. Those two runs end up getting charged to him as uh, as both come around to score. So that was unfortunate, but I thought his stuff did look better offensively in this game. Multiple hits from Connor Norby. This will be a theme all weekend long. Thomas Francisco and Bryson Worrell, and then Ryder Giles, uh, one for four with two RBIs. Ryder, we'll talk about him a lot as the show progresses. Really good weekend at the plate, which was awesome to see. So the Pirates win eight to four. They move into the nightcap, uh, and this was ended up being one of the more uh, tougher defeats of the season for ECU. They lose seven to six, the first extra innings game of uh, American Athletic Conference play in they went to the, the new rule this year, uh, you know, copying Major League Baseball with the doubleheaders and the n- four nine-inning games. They just don't want these games to drag out, which I completely understand. Uh, so the, the runner gets placed on second base, and so this was our first scenario where we got to see ECU play in these circumstances. It was a 6-6 six to six game going to the top of the 10th. The Pirates, you, you just kind of knew they'd be good at this, Jonathan. The small ball is what they thrive off of. Uh, they score on or Seth Cadell's fly ball advances a run of the third and then first pitch suicide squeeze I believe Alec Makarevich lays it down to give ECU a, a one run lead then it goes to the bottom of the 10th and unfortunately um Colmore pitching really does his job for the most part outside of the one walk or hit by pitch camera which it was that ends up being the winning run as Connor Norby makes an error on probably the guy probably would have been safe. It would have taken taken an elite play to get the guy out at first. Uh, Cole Harding on a slow chopper off the turf. Uh, so it probably would have been tied six to six. But he airmails the throw, which allows the winning run from second to score. And it was a uh, it was a tough defeat. And at that point, with all the pitchers used in this game, Jonathan, uh, I think there was some concern about winning the series, especially losing in the fashion they did on Friday night. Yeah, it was one of those really 
just tough games. Like you said, there were a lot of pitchers used. See, there were one, Tyler Smith, Matt Bridges, Josh Gross, C.J. Mayhew, A.J. Wilson, Landon Ginn, Danny Beal, Cam Colmore. That's eight. And to do that, in the, you know, Tyler Smith came out. He didn't have his best start. Obviously, he went two and a third. And right away, you kind of think, oh, great. Especially since you, there's Saturday and Sunday were both to be determined as starters. We kind of had a feeling Carson Wisenhunt would be able to go but we didn't know when, we didn't know how long. So you wanted to get out to a good start on the mound in this game, in both of these first games. But it was a – we mentioned a lot of pitchers used, but position players as well. I mean, we talked about Jay Kuchman earlier. He played first base for two innings in the field. And, I mean, I think I was texting you. I was speculating a little bit with Francisco DH in the games and then Moylan, I think, being pulled with the hamstring. looked like he pulled something. And, you know, brought up some interesting situations late in the game. Kuchmaner played first and just a lot of maneuvering around. But it was one of those close games. And unfortunately, like you said, you know, the error by Connor Norby to give Cincinnati the win. It was a tough play. I think he should have held on to the ball. But he tried to make something happen. Turf field, I hate turf fields. I think that made the play a little bit harder as well. I'll keep saying it. I hate turf fields. I like natural baseball fields, natural baseball. But it was a tough way to lose, but I'm glad that ECU was able to bounce back later on. Yeah, and I tweeted this, but, you know, yeah, the the, the, the winning run scored on Connor Norby's error, but Connor Norby did not lose the game. I mean, really, it was a minor miracle, Jonathan, that ECU even got to extra innings. The Pirates used eight pitchers. Seven of those eight issued at least one free pass. They walk nine and hit four. I mean, you just can't win a game when you give out 13 free passes to a pretty good Cincinnati team, a veteran Cincinnati team. Uh, they really got lucky just to get it in the extra innings. Uh, this game really shouldn't have been that close. Cincinnati left a lot of guys on. And again, unfortunately, Jonathan, another shorter start by an ECU starting pitcher. This has been the theme as well as Tyler Smith. Uh, again, struggle with his command. You know, it seems like he hasn't been hit for the most part this year, but there have been outings where he just can't throw strikes. And this was one of them on Friday night. Three walks, two hit batters, gives up three runs. Again, only two hits, but if you can't throw strikes, uh, it makes it difficult. So the the lack of consistent starting pitching, I mean, basically, Wisenhunt has looked pretty good since his return. We'll talk about him in a minute, but you're almost having to have one to two bullpen games or one and a half bullpen games per weekend. And luckily, this is the last four-game conference series coming up this weekend at USF. But I, I just feel like, you know, it at times has worn on these pitchers, which is why we've seen some inconsistency from, you know, the C.J. Mayhews, the Matt Bridges, et cetera. Just because they, they have to get caught on so much, you can't be perfect every time out. And the opposing team gets to see them multiple times per weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to Tyler Smith real quick, I think I've been a – I think I've, I've not been shy this year about saying that I think Tyler Smith has pitched better than what he gets credit for. He's had obviously had outings like Friday night. He's had a couple of lows throughout the season. But I think once conference play start has started, he's really only had two bad starts in my eyes. The rest of them he was able to push until the fourth and the fifth and get the job done, hand it over to the bullpen then. But, yeah, like you said, it's tough really not being able to trust anybody else side of that big three in the bullpen consistently and Cam Colmore, Matt Bridges, and C.J. Mayhew, it's tough. But eventually, especially once you get into a weekend like South Florida, 
when it starts Thursday and Saturday, and then boom, three days later, the conference tournament starts on Tuesday. You're going to have to rely on some different guys. And it's unfortunate that they haven't gotten to that point to where they've started to push them, push other guys a little bit more. But I think this weekend was a step in the right direction. And I think that's a nice lead into the next couple games. Yeah, Sunday, it was really the first time we've seen guys pitch crucial innings that really haven't pitched crucial innings all year. And we'll talk about that in a minute. First Saturday, uh, Jonathan, the Pirates, again, got out a 7-6 to close victory, reversing the score from the previous night. And this one took a late inning rally. This was a tough matchup because Cincinnati's uh, best pitcher, Evan Chauver, came back from injury the week prior. He uh, goes five innings in this one. I thought ECU had a good approach to get his pitch count up because we all talked about how much the Bearcats' bullpen had struggled going into the, the weekend. So it was clear ECU wanted to get into that bullpen, get Chauver out of the game. They make him throw 97 pitches over five innings, score a couple of runs off of him as well. Uh, but they are trailing entering the late innings because uh, the the bullpen really struggled in the fifth. Carter Spivey relieved Carson Wishunt, and uh, he walks the guy, hits the guy, then Garrett Saylor on the first pitch he throws. I think it was Bellini jumps on a first-pitch slider for a three-run double, uh, and then all of a sudden Cincinnati's up, and you're kind of worried uh, at that point because you're trailing by a couple of runs. So it goes into the seventh inning. ECU down, I believe, 5-3 to three at the time. They score four runs against Cincinnati reliever Nathan Moore. String together a lot of good at-bats, put some pressure on him. He starts throwing a lot of balls. Uh, and then they take a 7-5 to five lead. And then the bullpen from there ends up holding on as T.J. Mayhew, pitching for the second time in as many days, uh, goes one and a third inning to earn his seventh save of the season. A.J. Wilson also got a big out. Matt Bridges and Garrett Saylor were, were crucial out of the pen as well. So another day, another a lot of pitchers used, Jonathan. Six more ECU pitchers used. So eight on in game two, six in game three. Uh, but they got the job done in a crucial 7-6 to six victory. Yeah, they sure did. Like you said, Carson Wisenhunt, I think he's looked good since he came back from arm soreness. He had a decent start. Gave up a few hits later in his outing, but – other, other than that, I thought he did well. Carter Spivey came in, you know, didn't pitch well. Just walked two guys, like you said, hit a bat, hit a man to load the bases. But Garrett Saylor, after he gave up that bases-clearing double to put Cincinnati up 5-3, I thought Garrett Saylor really responded well, picked up three strikeouts in the next four batters he faced before turning it over to Matt Bridges. Br- Matt Bridges, he gave up a couple of hits, but – he also was able to, you know, push through and get out of the inning. And then I'm glad you mentioned A.J. Wilson. I think A.J. Wilson pitched very well this weekend. I think he pitched an inning and a third maybe. Yeah, inning and a third, gave up no hits, no walks, and struck out two. I think we're starting to see what A.J. Wilson can become, if he can develop a little bit more of a fastball, get a little more command with it. I'm a big fan of A.J. Wilson. I think he has back-end bullpen potential – very quickly. I think he's good enough to pitch back there. So it's nice to see him progressing a little bit. And then, you know, after this game, you start to wonder who the heck is going to start on Sunday. You think, okay, I I told you, I think it's going to be CJ Mayhew. And clearly it was not CJ Mayhew, CJ Mayhew after throwing 58 pitches over the last two games, Carter Spivey, after he didn't look good, you kind of think, okay, it's probably not going to be him either. So 
it set up for an interesting Sunday, but I'm glad that ECU's offense was able to come through with the big late inning and really propel themselves into victory. And it was another close one, as we've seen all weekend. Yeah, every game was competitive. It seems like usually you get a situation where one of the games is a blowout, but that just wasn't really the case this weekend at Cincinnati. ECU, going into Sunday, you mentioned it, Jonathan, we didn't really know who would start, who would pitch, who would be available. Cam Colmore, the reliever, gets to start his third appearance of the weekend, so he only goes an inning. It was his first start since 2016. And then from there, it was basically a staff day. And I think we all kind of thought that this would be a game where basically the first team to 10 wins, uh, given the pitching left on both sides. But, of course, with baseball, we're both wrong. It ends up being a tight 3-2 to two game, basically from the fifth inning on. The Pirates score uh, some big insurance runs in the ninth to get a 5-2 to two victory. But, man, the story of this game, Jonathan, was the, the bullpen, specifically the the freshman relievers, Danny Bill and Landon Ginn, Four and two-thirds combined scoreless innings. Neither allowed a base runner to reach. They retired all 14 batters that they faced. And this allowed ECU to take the lead and then obviously to add some insurance. And then C.J. Mayhew comes on to get another save. Apparently, C.J. Mayhew's left arm is made of rubber. He goes two innings. He pitches Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 36 pitches on Sunday to close out the series uh, victory. But... Man, Danny Bill landing again. Uh, this they needed somebody to step up on Sunday, Jonathan. I don't think we would have put our money on landing again or Danny Bill, but both of those guys were just crucial uh, to winning the series. Yeah, both of the true freshmen really pitched well, and someone else who pitched on this day, who's a true freshman that I'm very high on, is Josh Gross. He pitched the second inning, allowed a walk, but other than that, clean inning. Can't ask for really much more. I think ECU's pitching staff gave up three total hits on the day. Two of them were off of Jake Gooch-Manor, and we talked about him earlier. It's, it's unfortunate to see him not pitching well, but really looking back, the young guys picked him up. I think it's been the other way around. You know, Jake Gooch-Manor is used to picking guys up, and Danny Bill comes in. He picks him up. Landon again, obviously, three perfect innings, no base runners. Danny Bill did the same in an inning and two-thirds. And then C.J. Mayhew, like you said, his arm is made out of rubber. It has to be at this point. There's no other option. He threw 30 pitches again. I think he threw an 80-plus on the weekend, which is crazy. But the, I was really encouraged by the young pitchers. Like I said earlier, you need someone else to step up. And for guys like Danny Bill and Lane again to step up, not only just in a game, but late in a game, in a close game, where if they don't step up, ECU does not win. It was really encouraging to see. And like you said, I didn't expect it. But it was really nice to see, and it's hopefully going to give them a lot of confidence moving forward because their roles are going to increase very quickly over the next couple weeks, I believe. Yeah, especially when we get into the conference tournament in that Tuesday game, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute how to kind of line up the pitching or what what uh, problems that presents uh, with the quick turnaround from the regular season series to the conference tournament, but uh, ECU offense really didn't do a, a ton in this game. They did get 10 hits, but left some runners on. Jalen Wade scattered a lot of hits. Bo Keithley, the, uh, the sidewinder, really kind of gave ECU fits in the late innings, so the Pirates couldn't really add on to that crucial two-run double by Thomas Francisco with two outs in the ninth. So that was big. Uh, Connor Norby again with three hits. 
Ryder Giles, two more hits, two runs scored. He got a big inning started with the, uh, the double. Eventually came around to score on Francisco's go-ahead sack fly. So, you know, a lot of good uh, contributions up and down the lineup, I thought, this weekend, Jonathan. One through nine, we talked about Ryder struggles, but he had a uh, he had a pretty big weekend overall. And so, uh, again, a crucial series victory for the Pirates. This keeps them atop the league standings, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Going to the series or season finale series. Uh, first, Jonathan, let's give away our hitter, pitcher, and rookie of the week. Our hitter of the week, I don't think there's much debate about this, even though there was multiple contributions up and down the lineup like we just mentioned. But Connor Norby, 10 of 19, multiple hits every game. He just continues to rake as he uh, raises his average up above. I think he entered the weekend at 415. So that average only goes up with a 10 for 19 weekend. Yeah, and it's crazy to think, you know, when you hit 10 for 19, that's 526. When your average is that high, it's not going to go up that much. So that's crazy to me, but Norby drove in a run, got on base via a walk as well. And I think our honorable mention was Ryder Giles, which is very, very nice to see with the year he's had so far. Six for 14, 428 at the plate, drove in three runs, and he laid down a couple of key sacrifice bunts as well. You know, in that nine spot in the order, you need Ryder to hit like this or close to it, I think, especially with Norby there. You want to continue the innings on and get Norby chances with the runners on base so he can get more opportunities to drive in runs. Ryder had a good weekend, and hopefully he can build on it and continue swinging the bat confidently. And our pitcher of the week, we had several candidates for this. Of course, Gavin Williams, another strong start. He's 8-0 with a sub-2 ERA, so he just continues to be dominant, but – we're going with one of the guys who stepped up on Sunday when the Pirates needed it most. Landon Ginn retired all nine batters he faced, pounded the strike zone. Stuff looked good. Fastball was up to 93 per the broadcast. So uh, Landon Ginn, our pitcher of the week, well-deserved. Yeah, Landon Ginn. And I think we did. I don't think we mentioned it earlier, but that wasn't Ginn's first appearance on the weekend. I don't remember which game he pitched in, but he only went a third of an inning and he allowed two walks. So, you know, maybe – not the best performance there, but he bounced back. And for a freshman, a true freshman to come and do that and bounce back in the way he did, it's really nice to see he got his first win of his career. And honorable mention, C.J. Mayhew, obviously, six innings pitched, 80-plus pitches, gave up two hits, three walks, but he struck out seven and earned two, two saves. So he came up big when they needed him to. And I think without Landon Ginn, ECU doesn't win on Sunday. Without C.J. Mayhew, I don't know if he see wins on Saturday or Sunday. So two quality candidates there and really a lot of young guys to choose from for that Pitcher of the Week award. Yeah, I mean, in reality, C.J. Mayhew probably deserves the award more just due to the multiple appearances. But, you know, we go a little outside the box here, uh, which is why we, we gave it to Danny Bill. And our Rookie of the Week, we're also going outside the box with uh, Danny Bill, who gets our, our Rookie of the Week. Uh, that's what we decided, right? Yep, that's correct. Danny Beal went two and a third, no hits, no base runners, no runs. Face, I think, he, I think he faced the minimum in his total appearances, which is yeah, again, really hard to do and really impressive for a young guy to do that. So, Danny Beal, I think it's his second appearance on the Horse of Colors podcast awards. So congrats to him. We know he's listening. 
We know Landon Ginn's listening, so congratulations to you both. Danny Bill, the only pitcher that threw in Friday's uh, Friday night's game that did not walk or hit a batter. So wow. he deserves the award for that alone. Uh, so <laughs> uh, there it is, our Pitcher of the Week, Landon Ginn, Rookie of the Week, Danny Bill, Hitter of the Week, Connor Norby. And so here we are, Jonathan, one weekend left in the regular season. Really short turnaround for this Pirate team. They got back late last night. Now they get a couple days to get their feet under them, and then it's back to Tampa on Wednesday because the series starts Thursday with a doubleheader, and then they'll play Friday and Saturday. And ECU heads into the series with a half-game lead on Tulane. I asked you last week what the Pirates needed to do to kind of sure up a regular season conference title. I think we both kind of agreed that they had to win probably both series to get it done. And, well, they took care of business and won. UCF's inability to close out any game. Uh, they should have had two wins, at least two. They probably should have had three. But uh, Tulane stays right on ECU's heels. And so, again, I ask you, do you think three wins gets it done this week? They've got to finish. Whatever Tulane does, the Pirates have to do the exact same to stay that half game ahead and win a regular season conference championship. What do you think they need to do? Well, I'll start off by saying Tulane, I believe they play Cincinnati this upcoming weekend to close things out. I think they split that series. I've said it on the game thread. I've said it on Twitter. I I believe Cincinnati is a much better team than they get credit for. If their starting pitching is able to take them deep into the games, they're in a good position to win every game because their offense is good enough, deep enough to where they can compete with anybody in the conference we saw that this weekend. I think they split this weekend with Tulane. I think ECU goes 3-1 and one against South Florida. But, I mean, we're about to talk about it, but I think we're going to see some different looks maybe with who's starting on the mound later in the series to try to gear up for that conference tournament. Yeah, the thing that worries me about Cincinnati is they're – their starting rotation is actually good, but I worry that they are going to punt the weekend against Tulane and basically play for the conference tournament. Um, if you're ECU and Tulane, I think you have to, to me, I, I think you have to play the series as normal because a regular season conference championship on your resume, if, if ECU wins the regular season of the American, they're, they're hosting no matter what, even if they go 0-2 in the conference tournament. If Tulane wins the regular season, they're they're in the tournament no matter what. So I think ECU and Tulane probably have to play it straight up or as straight up as possible. Uh, but these other teams, you know, USF, how are they going to approach it? Because surely they don't want to throw their their top starter for nine innings on Thursday and then him not be, be available for Tuesday's conference opener. So I think it raises a lot of questions, Jonathan, uh, for, for East Carolina – you know, I think you have to kind of play it as straight up as possible. Maybe if you get to Saturday and you're you're you've already had the conference championship won at that point, then you can kind of throw whoever on Saturday to kind of just eat some innings and, and get on with it and save your pitching for Tuesday. But the the quick turnaround to the conference tournament really does raise a lot of questions. I think uh, for all these teams. Yeah, absolutely. I think you made a good point with ECM and Tulane. You know they. I, I agree. I think they do have to play it as they normally would. But at the same time, I think if you're there on Thursday and say, you know, Gavin Williams goes six innings and then traditionally it's 
one of the big three out of the bullpen that follows him. It's one of Cam Comor, Matt Bridges, CJ Mayhew. I think maybe if you have a little bit of a lead or a little bit of wiggle room there, maybe, you know, you do try one of those young guys, a Danny Beal, a Josh Gross, a Landon Ginn, just so you can try to prolong the back end of the bullpen and keep them off the mound for as long as you can, and then they don't have to pitch as long in a game. So instead of pitching the seventh through the ninth, or if Tyler Smith or someone goes and pitches the back end of a doubleheader, goes three, four innings, you're not relying on the same guys to go three innings every game out of the bullpen. So I think it's going to be a little bit of a both. I think, yes, ECU is going to play to win every game. They're going, they're going to play it normally like they have been. But I think there's a little bit of wiggle room where you can try to give some uh, some other guys opportunities without you know, costing your team a chance to win. So I think there's a line they're going to walk, but I do think they're going to play on both sides of that line a little bit. Yeah, ideally you win the first three games, Tulane loses one, and you got the championship sewn up heading into Saturday, and then you can kind of almost treat Saturday as a, you know, this game really doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, you've already won the series, you've won the conference championship, so then you can save your arms for Tuesday. I think either way, Tuesday – I think ECU is probably looking at a bullpen day because I, I don't think you're going to turn around and start Gavin or Tyler uh, Tyler Smith on three days rest or whatever it would be, maybe four days rest. I think you still would probably go a bullpen day for the most part. And then if you win that first game, then you get Wednesday off and you come back Thursday, then you can start Gavin Williams on regular rest. So we'll see how it plays out, but it, it, it creates some interesting discussions, I'm sure, for the coaching staff. Uh, I think they'll play it straight up to win. Because I think a regular season conference championship assures ECU a hosting spot. Uh, if they win the regular season and win the conference tournament, then you know we can talk about the national seed discussion. But we can we can break all that down going into next week's conference tournament. Jonathan, that'll do it for the show. I know you got some uh, some pregame festivities to partake in before you head out to uh, the Hurricanes game. So we'll let you get out of here. But I appreciate you, you hopping on and, and joining another Hoist the Colors podcast. Yeah, it's been fun, and I'm looking forward to seeing how ECU plays the series against South Florida. I'm looking forward to the conference tournament, and I'm planning on making the trip down to Clearwater and trying to find my way in. So, fingers crossed on that. I'm sure I'll have an update next week, but I'm excited to see how the rest of the season plays out. That is Jonathan Wagner. I'm Steven Igo. appreciate you guys dealing with my annoying voice. For the last 30 minutes, uh, congrats again to Danny Bill, two-time award recipient of the Hoist of Colors uh, Rookie of the Week, I believe. So, all right, we will join you guys later this week after the South Florida Series. Until then, we'll talk to you next time.
Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.